Goodwin and Ryan Curl. This is the MMA Unshow. The MMA Unshow is back. Uh, so for those of you that follow this podcast, um, you may not know Ryan and I were in a romantic relationship. And uh, we had to put the brakes on the romantic relationship and so the podcast also had the brakes. <clears throat> what are you going to do? But we are back uh, both in a romantic relationship and with this podcast. And we're excited about it. Very excited. Ryan's excited too. Good deal. So we're going to jump into UFC 260. And this card was so good that we came out of retirement. Maybe forever. Uh, because we had to talk to you about it. Uh, so we're going to give you some gambling tips. We're going to talk about some matchmaking for future stuff that we like. And we're also just going to break down the card because it's, it's pretty sick. Pretty, pretty sick. Ryan, what have you been up to the last year that we've not been doing podcasting and have been uh, instead quarantining in our homes? Um, I mean, for the most part, obviously trying not to go absolutely fucking insane being indoors. Yep. But then they brought back the fights. So just consuming an unhealthy amount of MMA content. There you go. So first things first, we're going to talk gambling. We've got three bets for you that, that we like. There's not a lot of great gambling options in this card in general, which doesn't necessarily mean the card is bad. Actually, probably means the card is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got three for you that we like. One that we like a lot. So the first one that we kind of like is is Thomas Almeida at plus 245. Uh, for me, I just look at the the odds on that. And for a guy that at one point in time was 20 and 0, 21 and 0 yeah. to put him at plus 245, even against a good fighter in Sean O'Malley, who I like and you like, yeah. and I want to see uh, succeed because I think he'd be good for the sport. I don't think those odds are realistic at all. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I guess I can kind of understand why they said it because Almeida's coming off three straight losses, but like those three losses are to the literal top of the division. Um, and I think stylistically, they both match up very well against one, uh, well against each other. And you know, I I'm always interested to see how a fighter reacts, you know, coming off their first loss, especially with Sean O'Malley. Yeah, Sean's reaction to the loss was strange, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of continuing to talk about how he didn't lose, which I, as we discussed before the podcast, I do understand what he's trying to say, mm-hmm. which is that if he didn't have the weird thing with his leg, right. the fight probably goes differently, and he's probably correct about that but the reason he was hurt was because he was hurt it wasn't the fluke thing he got kicked in his leg and then and then tko'd um like you said john uh excuse me thomas almeida is coming off three straight losses but like you also said to three really good guys jimmy rivera rob font jonathan martinez those are three three guys that are no slouch at all and before that his only loss was to cody garbrandt who is also obviously not exactly a slouch Uh, he's a hitter how do you uh, how do you see the fight actually going down? I mean, obviously, I don't think either guy's really going to shoot for a takedown. Um, you know, I imagine it's going to stay at kickboxing range. And you know, it, if you look at all of Sean's fights, I mean, what was it? The, his first one against Andre Sukumtov. Sukumtov, yeah. yeah. You know, like I mean, Sean just seems to have like this propensity to get lower extremity injuries. Yeah. Know? So I would imagine Thomas Almeida is going to start hammering away at his calf. Early and often. Yeah, he's a kickboxer. Yeah. It's like he... I think that's his only path, you know, to victory. Yeah. I mean, if you don't attack that, Sean's so sick with the angles he creates. And, I mean, he's shown he has power. Mm -hmm. He's a sniper. Uh, I imagine he he chops away at his legs early and often. Fight's going to be a banger either way. 
Um, but like we said, we like Almeida at plus 245. I don't like to bet against O'Malley. It makes me kind of sad, but it is what it is. Second one we like, and this one, <laughs> we really don't like this one that much, just just for forewarning if you do bet on this. Uh, Woodley at plus 205. Woodley has to turn back the clock to get it done against Vincente Luque, who's an absolute animal, absolute terror. He's lost two fights in his UFC career to two world beaters, and Stephen Thompson and Leon Edwards. So tell me why Woodley can win this fight. I mean, I think... I still think the skills for Tyron Woodley are still there. Like I, I, you know, I don't think he magically just woke up and, you know, automatically started to suck. What I think is he, a, a lot of what happened was he ended up getting figured out. Yeah. And that if you take from like his fight against Rory McDonald, where Rory had him on the back foot, was constantly pressuring him, was constantly putting something in his face. You know, Tyron Woodley doesn't adapt well to that. Well, of course, the three fights he's lost. All three guys have constantly pressured him, and then this isn't exactly a favorable matchup for him because Vicente is high pressure, high volume. Um, but the thing is, the difference is between those fights and this one is Vicente likes a war. Yeah. And Tyron still has the one-hitter quitter. He sure does. This is a guy, as we both discussed before the, the podcast, that at one point was being discussed as whether or not he is the greatest welterweight of all time. So... He's proven time and time again that this is a formidable fighter against a guy that I definitely would not say is an unproven commodity. He's beaten a lot of really good guys. We went through his record. Um, But not a lot of, like, top five guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it is a bit of a challenge. And at those odds, there might be some value in that. That said, I still, in my gut, I feel like Luke probably gets it done. And that might be the last that we see of Tyron Woodley. I think so too, but I guess what's kind of giving me a little hope is that at this point, Tyron knows his back against the wall. He knows that he's probably going to get cut with the loss, so I'm I'm hoping he comes out and at least puts up more of a fight because it just kind of seems like he's going through the motions in there and he's just fighting to not get finished and not necessarily yeah. win. Which is strange because it's not what we saw from him early in his career. It, no. he, he took a big shift, I think probably around Wonder Boy where... He got a little timid. I don't know why, but it is what it is. It's a hard thing to to turn around, I think, mentally, but maybe he can do it. See, I think uh, I was watching something earlier today, and uh, it was James Krause, and he was basically talking about how he believes that you you only have so much energy to give and, like, so much, and he said that, like, certain fights, you know, take a little bit of your soul, and he's like, I wonder if that's, you know, happening to Woodley. Because hmm. even though he necessarily hasn't been in, like, the drag-out wars, like, you know, the Robbie versus uh, Rory. Sure. I mean, high-pressure situations, Wonder Boy, you know, the Till fight kind of just seemed like he peaked at that point. Because at that point, I stopped doubting him. Um, yeah, up, same. Up until, <laughs> up until, like, after he beat Darren Till, I always picked against him in his title fights. And then I started picking him, and then it just kind of went to shit, so... Maybe We're picking him now. So, yeah. you know, maybe this is where he rewards us for our our unwavering support of his career. Or he gets <laughs> cut and goes to like Bellator or some shit. Could happen. So the final bet that we have, which we, we think this is a pretty good one. I would say. Fuck yeah. I, I actually don't even know how we're, this is allowed. These these odds seem kind of astronomical because when we were talking about this fight, the main event, Francis Ngannou, Steve Miocic, which we'll talk about a little more at length, uh, we kept kind of coming back to two probable outcomes for yeah. this and you can get both of those probable outcomes at pretty good odds so great odds we're Some telling you to go francis and ganu ko round one at plus 210 
And then we're going to tell you to hedge that with Stipe by decision at plus 450, which the fact that you can get plus 450 odds on something that, that has already occurred, it seems to make no sense to me. Tell me why this is being allowed, Ryan. I don't, I don't know. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, if you go back and watch the first fight, like... Which we did, by the way. We did. Francis, like, had his moments, but it was, it was Stipe whooping his ass for by 25 minutes. So, and then Stipe just comes off, what, a decision against DC? Where he was in control of that fight for the most part. So, I don't... I mean, obviously, like, Francis has the one-hitter quitter, but this has already happened. Yeah, it did. And we also haven't... Francis hasn't shown us that he can't... That he can deal with some of these same positions that Stipe managed to find himself in over and over and over again. Side saddle against the cage, just repeatedly. And, And he just... He didn't seem to know what to do or seemed to be too apprehensive to expend the energy to, to do it. And while he's looked really good and definitely has a chance to win this fight, which is why we're telling you to also hedge that with Ngannou by KO in round one, which is kind of the staple of Francis Ngannou's career thus far. It, I, I, the, my heart of hearts, I, I feel like we're probably going to kind of see a repeat of the first fight, which you disagree with. I do. And we'll talk more about that. <laughs> but... Those two things together, it seems like a quality bet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with something that's already happened. Like, plus 450, that's that's absolutely unreal. Asinine. And the other thing that's also happened is we've seen Francis Ngannou knock people out in the first round over and over and over again. On repeat. Yep. So we'll jump into the second section here. We're actually going to talk away from this card a little bit about three fights that we want to see in 2021. Um, These are all fights that could definitely foreseeably happen. They're not crazy matchups at all. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is Zabit Magomed Sheripa versus Yair Rodriguez, which is a fight that is supposed to have already happened. Like six times. Why do you like this fight so much? I think stylistically. Like, they both throw, like, wild spinning techniques. They're both super, fundamentally, like, they're both technically sound. Um, and, I mean, Zabit looks like a future champion, but it's interesting to see, okay, how is he going to match up against a guy over five rounds. Yeah. Especially because if you go back and look at him fighting Calvin Cater, that third round, Zabit looked like shit. And so it kind of, you know, brings to the question, it brings the question of, okay, if that fight goes two more rounds, is Zabit getting finished? Yeah. Um, and and credit to Calvin Cater because he's really damn good. He's really um, good. And he's continued to prove it, mm-hmm. especially over those five-round fights. I mean, he's a dude that... Almost uh, Max Holloway esque will just kind of pick up steam mm-hmm. as he get well, ironically because Max Holloway beat the pulp picked out of him. Steam and he he picked up some him. some steam as well, but similar type of fighter where he seems to just get better the more he gets mm-hmm. hit. He seems to get better the more he's exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, he just shines in those moments. The problem might be is that Yair Rodriguez kind of seems to have some of those same problems. Uh, stylistically that Zabit has. So it, it is an interesting matchup. And and they're, the, when I think about this fight, their career arc is super similar. Yeah, yours yeah. is just a little sooner. Um, but like you said, they're technically similar. They both uh, have like karate and taekwondo mm-hmm. stylings that they'll flash from time to time. Um, they both, very early on in their careers, people talked about as potential champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's that matchup that it's, it's, uh, it's just an interesting, like you said, interesting stylistically, but it's also interesting like in terms of just the narrative of both of, both of their careers. Well, I mean, 
Because it was. It was when they matched uh, Yair up with Frankie. Because it was at that point, if Yair would have won, I think he was going to get a number one contender or he was getting a shot at the title. He was close, yeah. Yeah, and then Frankie Frankie stopped that. That was maybe his best fight. Maybe in his whole career. In terms of just pure performances. Yeah, he he whooped his ass. He put everything together. So that's a fight we love. That's a fight everybody loves. That's not a real shocker to anybody. Uh, One that's maybe a little more out of left field, but we both really like. Yuan Drzejczyk versus Jan Shonan. Um, Jan Shonan is somebody that's come on. I think she's only been in the UFC for like a year, yeah, but she's three or four and zero in the UFC and has looked phenomenal against decent opponents. We looked up the opponents earlier. I don't think I have them pulled up right now. I'll pull them up while you talk about it. But and everybody knows who Joanna Champion is. Uh, she's been arguably the best strawweight champ, probably the best, probably not even arguably the best strawweight champion. Yeah, I mean, I think. You would have to say if Zhang beats Rose, then like there's your. She's argument. maybe close. Yeah. Yeah, like, but in terms of like serious accomplishments, yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to have what, like four or five defenses, like she, something she, like she, that. She, she yeah. Was whooping everybody's ass. Like, it wasn't even close. Yeah, and she she puts it together in a way that, you know, that in this division is growing and getting better and better. But at the time when she was doing it, it was we we hadn't seen anybody in that division fight the way that she fights. Oh God, it's fucking ferocious. Yeah, like, she's an uh, animal. Yeah. But what's fun about this fight, if you haven't seen Yan Shonan fight, uh, pretty similar. Yeah, no, she's all violence. Like, all violence. Absolutely all violence. Walks forward, very, very competent, technical striking. I mean, she's really big for the she's weight class huge. as well, which obviously so is Yoana. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, I think it's a sick fight stylistically. I mean, I think you could see similar things to like Wei Li versus Yoana in yeah. terms of just two two females just getting after it. Yeah. Um, which, what by I'm, the way, if you have not seen that fight, I highly encourage you to go back and watch that. that. Fight One of the greatest man. fights of all time. Yeah, and then we got the old Izzy Romero stinker, but it is what it is. <laughs> no, dude, but I, like, I could see that fight happening, you know, probably towards the end of this year, but I'm hoping it's like a fight night five-rounder. Yeah, and we looked up before uh, the podcast what Joanna's kind of plans for the year were, and she said she does want to fight in 2021, but she doesn't really want to fight until fans are fully back, um, which... Apparently, apparently we're full steam ahead in Florida for, so maybe it'll be sooner than later. Or we're going to see a whole bunch of canceled cards. One of the two. Or a whole bunch of COVID. Who do you think wins that fight? Joanna. We, we actually didn't talk about that in the first fight either. Who do you think wins that fight? I think uh, Zabit gets him out of there. I think he stops him in the second yeah. round. Yeah, I think I agree with both of those. I think. Uh, I, I also think that if Joanna can't get it done... She's either going to go up a weight class or that might be... She's going to go up a weight class and get her ass whooped by Valentina again. It's possible. Be like the fifth time in her life she's lost to her. That's accurate. And that fight wasn't even close. Like, the, the MMA fight wasn't even close no. enough to where you can, like, justify a rematch. No, you really can't. Like, Which no. is crazy to yeah, me. It's just a matchup that just she just can't... Valentina's just bigger. She's bigger and maybe better. No, she, she's bad. Yeah. Like, skill for skill, she's the best female fighter of all time. Even skill for skill, she might. She's one of the best fighters of all time. Yeah, like it's not. Oh God! I mean, you want to talk about like a perfect martial artist? Like, yeah, that's it. Like the fact that she was able to be competitive with Amanda is unbelievable when you look at the size disparity. Oh, like the fact that she was like wearing out the bantamweights. Like she's she's naturally a hundred and twenty five. Yeah, it's. I wonder if she could make one hundred and fifteen pounds. I don't think so. I don't think so. She's she's pretty big for one. 25. Yeah. Yeah. yeah She's a big, strong girl. 
Last but not least, uh, the fight that if you don't want to see this fight, uh, you don't have a pulse. Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington too. I know everyone hates Colby. We, we get it. Everyone, everyone hates Colby Covington, but nobody hates to watch Colby Covington fight. He is a blast. Kamaru, and what, what I think I like the most about that is they bring the best out of each other. Oh, they bring the dog out of each other. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They hate each other on a deep, visceral level. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you get that in fights, I feel like it almost ruins the fight because they're both like so scared to make mistakes. That was not the case the first time around. No, no, dude. Like that was that fight actually surprised me. I thought that fight was gonna suck. To be like really honest, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a whole bunch of shitty takedowns followed by shitty scrambles followed yeah. by like cage control, and it's gonna suck. And then like they just come out and literally just fucking bang for 25 minutes. like Absolutely threw down. Where, like, neither was going to give an inch. Yeah. Neither was going to shoot. Neither wanted to take a step back. Like, it was it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. Me too, man. And say what you will about Colby Covington, but in terms of just being a game fighter, like, he earned my respect to oh, the nth degree in that fight. And, and you know, I, I liked to watch him compete before, mm. um, but after that fight, he, he's just must must-see. Yeah, MMA. Because even though it's not always pretty, it's it's just like a tidal wave where like he yeah. you can physically see him like break these guys where they're just like shit. Can you just stop? Like like I need a second to breathe. And they're very similar in that regard. I mean, we see Kamara do the same thing, maybe at a little bit higher level, yeah, to a little bit more of a degree of. Um, it looks more aesthetically pleasing, and it's more impactful. Yeah. He's just a bigger, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more technical in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Um, type of fighter. So, with that said, I I probably see him winning the rematch if that rematch is to happen. Yeah. Do you think Colby needs to win another fight to get the rematch? See, I don't think so. But with the fact that they've already made Usman versus Masvidal, and it's like Usman probably kind of makes you think he's got to fight like Wonder Boy or Leon. God, Leon really screwed himself, huh? God, I feel like you have to run Leon and Bilal back. I feel like you have that to. That was such a like dumb, even... weird fight to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it was really stupid. I mean, personally, I would be okay with them cutting their losses because I didn't really give a shit, care to like see that fight. Because I'm like, eh. and Leon was dominant. Yeah, Leon looked fantastic. He, he really huge. did. For especially for the amount of time that he w- was away, he was almost two years away. Two right, two years away, got a pretty bad case of COVID, lost a whole bunch of weight. I yeah. don't know. I don't. I mean, if I'm Colby, I'm not fighting Gilbert Burns. That is a horrible matchup for him. Yeah. I mean, who do you, who else is there? There's Wonder Boy. And- I would love to see Colby and Wonder Boy. See, that could that, almost yeah, go in this list. Fun. It's super fun. Let's put those both on the same card. Yeah, because I like watching Wonder Boy fight. Like, Usman and Wonder Boy would be amazing. Too. When is uh, Usman and uh, Jorge? April 24th. Oh, we could get this scheduled before then. I would think so. Wonder Boy and Colby. They both don't cut a whole bunch of weight. Let's get it. All right. Call us, Dana. So before we get into the main card, we're going to give you the fight from the prelims that we're the most excited about. The prelims are a little light. A little light. Super light. They're they're fun. I think there might be... You know what's interesting about the the times when it seems like the prelims are a little light is you see guys come out and have like really cool breakout performances and somebody you've never heard of looks like an animal and you're like, okay, I'm in. So maybe we'll get that out of this fight. Uh, Alonzo Menafield, who's been fun. He's just, He's a hitter. I mean, he's there's make no mistakes about what this guy does. He's t- he's coming in to knock you out. He's a big gorilla. He's an animal. 
and he's fighting Fabio Charant, who neither of us were particularly familiar with. We mm-hmm. a guy that both of us used to train with has actually fought him. Um and so we went back and watched some of Fabio's fights and he's a good time. He is. Uh what do you what do you predict to see for this other than that someone's probably going to sleep or potentially getting submitted because Fabio actually has I believe eight submissions. Oh. I think it was eight. Jeez. I'll pull it up while you're talking. No, I mean, dude, I, I'm super high. Well, I'm not super high on Alonzo Menafield. Um, you know, he shows very good boxing. I mean, he's huge. and He just stopped. Like, he KOs everybody. Yep. But my issue is is that he gasses pretty quickly. He does. And, I mean, when you carry that much muscle, obviously you're going to need more oxygen. Um, also, coming off of his first loss, which was a KO... Or no, he has two. He has two losses, yeah. but it was his first loss by knockout. Yeah, yeah. to OSP, who was he can knock out anybody. So anybody, any night, that man is a monster. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I think I'm interested too because it is going to be Sharon's USC debut. Yeah, and you know, we got to see if the pressure gets to him. You know, I don't think it will. Um, you know, I think the fact that there's no fans yeah. kind of maybe helps. Um, but I would imagine Sharon's game plan is going to be to kind of grind this one out the first round. Uh, I don't know if he can do that based on the fights that we watched. Yeah, I know. I mean, the dude just comes out the gate swinging. swinging. Yeah, I mean, it, <sighs> I don't think this fight gets out of the first See, round. See, that's what I want to know. You know, I, the fact that like he has so many submissions, a lot of it ends up being to him dropping dudes, him getting into a dominant position, and then him getting dudes' backs, you know, chokes and the whole nine. But yeah, so I'm looking at his his record right now. His last fight was a uh, a five round decision win. I watched that uh, fight. unanimous decision win over Myron Dennis. LFA 99. Yeah, yeah, I watched that fight. Hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll last longer than we think. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it, he showed decent cardio. Like, his output kind of slowed down, obviously, but, I mean, I think it was more him realizing I can't go balls to the wall mm. in the last 25 minutes. Right. I don't think Alonzo can go more than, like, seven minutes. So no. I would imagine. Joe Rogan would definitely say no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean... I think I'm gonna go Sharon, man. I think I think he'll kind of like it. Yeah, I think he'll probably catch a submission. Yeah, I uh, I will say, knowing that he didn't have the best showing in the Dana White Contender Series. Granted, at that point in time, I think he was only four and zero. Yeah, he was four and zero, and got stopped by a, a really good fighter in Alexi Kamur. Um, it gives me a little pause to mm-hmm. think that he he can get it done again with under the the brighter right. lights. It, mm-hmm. it, maybe he shrivels a little bit again, but. Um, it's, it's, it feels like a total toss up, but could definitely be a fight of the night contender. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, anytime you get two Oh fivers, somebody's more likely going to sleep and both these dudes happen to put dudes to sleep. So, I mean, they're both heavy handed. They're both huge. Them in that small cage. I love it. I love it as well. Let's jump into the main card. Um, we're just going to take it from bottom to top here. The first one up is Kama Worthy versus Jamie Malarkey. So Jamie Malarkey is a guy that neither of us were super familiar with. Mm -hmm. We definitely knew that he fought Brad Riddell. We knew that he was, uh, from that area of the world. He's Australian. Um, but we went back and watched a couple of his fights and I feel like I found uh, a new guy. I'm kind of into it. I'm super into it. He's sick, dude. He's sick, and he's super game. I forgot how good that Brad Riddell fight was. That was surely that was the fight of the night from that card. I would imagine so, because I mean, who else fought? Well, I guess Izzy, Izzy Denver. And, yeah, fought on that card. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, he was. If I was sick, Brad Riddell's sick too. Brad Riddell is sick. So Jamie Malarkey's coming in at plus one hundred five. A small underdog to Kamal Worthy, who is also really fun, really dangerous. A guy that came into the UFC 
he, his his debut was short notice, I believe, yeah. um, against Devontae Smith and managed to stop Devontae Smith despite being a gigantic underdog. I believe he was about plus 600, I think, in that I fight. I think so, yeah. He was astronomical. Think, yeah, because I think he only had like four days notice. Yeah. And they were like pals. Yeah, they're like friends. Which is odd. That, they like went out and had a beer after. Yeah. And I think they trained with each other like growing up. Yeah. So this fight, much like the last fight, has potential fight fight of the night mm-hmm. kind of written all over it. Two really game. Um, I would say Kam worthy striking is probably a little more uh, advanced, but Jamie's yeah. forward pressure and his ability to wrestle and kind of mix in takedowns mm-hmm. and submission attempts. You know, he's definitely got a chance at plus 105. That's uh, Those are probably fair odds, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. I don't know who to pick in this. Who, who are, you? are you? Are you leaning one way or the other? I think I'm going to lean Jamie, dude. You know, I think for the fact that he obviously has to be, like, super weary because Kamala hits so hard. Super hard. Um, but, I mean, just from what we've watched, the way he mixes things up, you know, he doesn't really let his opponent establish any type of rhythm. And None. at that point, you're just trying to hopefully pot shot somebody. And yeah. so more He has, like, not, Tony Ferguson-level forward yeah, pressure. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And he moves his head a lot better than Tony. Much better. Doesn't have the offense that Tony has. No. Doesn't have the unpredictability, I guess, that Tony has. No. But similar body style. Mm-hmm. So does Kama, for that matter. Yeah. They're both kind of lanky. Um, man, I feel like I'm leaning towards Kama just because I saw how much he got, uh, how much Malarkey rather got hit by Brad Riddell, yeah. who is a tremendous, tremendous striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brad's even smaller than Kama, and um, Brad was able to find him with jabs all day. Yeah, he was. And so that tells me I, I feel like Kama's probably going to get to his chin probably pretty early and maybe put him away. I, I mean, dude, I could definitely see it. See, like, this is a fight, like, I wouldn't put a whole lot of, like, yeah, I'm certain this is I'm definitely not like, betting on this one. So the second one we have, Jillian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick. This probably won't be the most exciting fight on the card. No. We've got a grappler uh, versus grappler contest, so they'll probably, of course... Shitty kickboxing. Shitty kickboxing. Not oh. to be confused with city kickboxing. Shitty kickboxing. This fight's going to suck. It dude. could suck. I hope they surprise us because their grappling is good. Both of them are good grapplers. Really good grapplers. If we can get it to the mat, um, we've got Jillian coming in at plus 135, Miranda Maverick coming in at minus 165. Um, I'm going to pull up both of their recent performances while you uh, give us your initial thoughts. I mean, I was honestly kind of surprised I put this on like the main card, to be like really honest with you. Uh, Jillian, she's what, a 500 fighter in the UFC? She's 9-5 overall, coming in off a loss, but before that had 1-2, lost to Macy Barber before that, 1-2, lost to Myra Silva before that, 1-3. Well, one, two. So she went two and two in, in the UFC. She's gone two wins and a loss over and over. So she is, she's due for a win. She is due for a win. Plus, I think this is Miranda Maverick's like second fight in the UFC. So, I mean, correct. Jillian's game, like she's super game. So, meh. God, I just wouldn't bet on this fight, though. No, I don't think I would bet no, on it. Because I think Miranda's way bigger, like from what I've seen. Like she, she's, she's certainly stockier uh-huh. uh, in. Just the way that she's she's built. She also comes from a Muay Thai gym, which is interesting for a grappler. She is coming in at five submissions, one KO, TKO win, two decisions. So she is a finisher, mm-hmm. whereas Jillian, two I believe, decisions. less so. Yeah. Well, no, that's not no. true. One KO, TKO, six submissions, two decisions. So, like I said, if this thing does get on the ground, it could be kind of fun. You know, a lot be a lot of scrambles, a lot of transitions. Yeah, I mean, I think. 
I mean, obviously, whoever's going to be the better wrestler here is going to win this fight. I think. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Whoever can get a top position and do something with mm-hmm. that. Uh, I don't think either of them are really submitting people off their back much. We're seeing a lot of, let's see, guillotine, rear naked. So probably, actually, if somebody can get somebody's back, that's going to be, right. the, be the path to victory mm-hmm. for either of them. It is, like you said, uh, Miranda Maverick's only her second UFC fight, but she fought decent competition before that. She fought Pearl Gonzalez, who everybody kind of knows, and Invicta in her fight before the UFC, which she won by unanimous decision. Um, I don't know if I'm leaning one way or the other. This feels like a toss-up to me. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds like plus 135 for Jillian Yeah, they're pretty close to even. Uh, Jillian's a slight underdog. You know what, I'll take Jillian. All right, for the money. Yeah. I'll go Jillian as well. She does have more experience. That's what I'm thinking. She is due for a win on her two win, one loss streak. Because she has what, 14 fights, and Miranda has what, 10? 9? Miranda has 10. Damn, that experience isn't as much as I thought. It She's was. only 23. Fuck. That's impressive. Wow. Granted, Jillian Robertson, only 25. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So both of these oh, they're technically women like could end up being kind of awesome. If they could put it together on the feet. Uh, okay, so we have no idea who's winning this fight, is basically what we're trying to tell you. Yeah, basically. It might be fun. It might be a good one to go warm up some popcorn or have a pee. Yeah. Take the dog out. Last time we talked, yeah, you was hella shy. And when's the last time you were sober? Yeah, I don't you lie. Been in these streets too long when I sleep, I don't close my eyes. Yeah, at the back with smoke, man, cause you got no eyes. And on to the third fight on the main card. We have Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. This fight should be a banger. If Almeida's chin can hold up, yeah. Yeah. That is the question. If if Sean O'Malley's legs can hold up and Thomas Almeida's chin can hold up. The two biggest variables. We're in good shape. So we talked about this fight a little bit already. Um, we do both kind of like Thomas Almeida at plus 245. That said, I kind of think O'Malley gets it done probably early. Yeah. I mean, it just literally comes down to if he's if he's going to kick his legs or not. Like, if he if he's not going to kick his legs, he's going to get put to sleep. You know, I especially to stop Sean's movement, too, to slow that down. Like, not even necessarily worrying about causing the same injury that he had against Cheeto. It's just slowing down his movement right because if you start letting sean flow on you good luck yeah he's gonna piece you up and he can one shot you which he's shown as well so sean definitely has probably a more i not probably he definitely has a more diverse Mm -hmm. method of of attacks particularly on the feet and this fight is i I don't see this going on the ground no really i mean i think they're They're both both decent grapplers grapplers, but they're mostly kind of anti-wrestlers who who want to stand up with you sean wants to pick you apart from a distance Thomas is a smaller guy. He wants to get yep. inside. He wants to bang. He wants to throw hooks. He's um, shoot the box guy. He's he's one of those OG little guys that that really likes to throw down. Um, he is still, I feel like, pretty young. I feel like he's gonna be like what twenty six. He's twenty nine. Twenty nine. So still, I mean, for a guy with twenty six fights, it's a shit ton of mileage. It is, um, it, and and his style's not really made for longevity. No, no which sucks because, like we said earlier, he's a guy that was. I think twenty and zero at one 20 point. Twenty and zero, yeah. And then he ran into Cody. Yeah. God, that was what like five years ago. That was two thousand and sixteen. Jesus. Time flies. Yeah, because yeah, oh my God, yeah, because they were talking about Almeida being, Almeida being the next best thing, and then Cody put 
that shit to sleep, literally. Literally and figuratively. So Sean O'Malley's been kind of incessantly talking about how he's still undefeated, uh, which, as we discussed, I understand what he's trying to say. But what do you make of that? Like, do you read into that at all? Is that Sean showing some, like, mental weakness? Like, what do you think? Uh, I mean, like, personally, I think it's fucking annoying. It's certainly annoying. Yeah, It's it's unarguably annoying, but does it mean anything? I want to say it does. I kind of do, too. I want to say, like, he's, like, thinking, oh, okay, well, I didn't really lose. It was because this happened. Like, he couldn't just accept the loss. Right. And, like... Have you seen anyone do that before? I've never seen, like, in an instance where the the injury, because it, 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 it ultimately was probably an injury, and that was probably why the TK, like, we, we talked about this earlier. You kind of think he was hurt more than I do. Mm. But I think we both can agree, were it not for the injury to his leg, which was caused by a kick, not oh. by him blowing his knee out or whatever, it was caused by a kick, mm-hmm. unarguable. Yeah. I've never seen anyone do that. Yeah, like it, it's weird because it's like, dude, dude, I get what you're saying, but he kicked you. Like, the fight was going on. He kicked you. Like, yeah. that's, and then you got injured because of the kick. Like, that's, that's like say, Carlos Condit saying, oh, I would have won if Woodley wouldn't have blown out my ACL. Right. Which like, he's never said. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. No, it's, it's one of those, yeah, it, it happened. Okay. Like, I would be okay with even if he just chalked up to, oh, you know, it was like a freak accident. You know, Yeah, I would have no problem with that. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would have a problem no. with that. But he keeps repeating this thing that is like, for a guy that is so marketable and so, like, fun and interesting right. and new, he does say some stupid stuff from time to time. Some but he's like, a, he's shit. a kid. Yeah. So, like, some of that is, in my opinion, forgivable because he's 25 or whatever. Right. But this is just, no, it's just nonsense. No, dude, like, I just, I don't. Because then that makes me worry, okay, if he does, like, genuinely go out there and, like, get slept. Right. What's his response going to be then? I don't know. Which could happen. Yeah. Like, that just, it, to me, it's, I'm very interested in how fighters handle losses. Yeah. And how they react to it, how they respond to it. You know, I think, like, you, the really great champions, like, you know, the Dominic Cruises, the Connors, you know, they can sit there, you know, and just take the shit like yeah. that they're going to get. And you know that they give the credit where the credit's due and they handle it like a true champion. Right. You know, where they don't really make excuses like, Hey man, he, he got me tonight. Like this worries me. Cause it's like, okay, say you go out, you lose a decision. Well, I would have won if it wouldn't have been for that judge. Like, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like, dude, the fight happened. It, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like, um, Cheeto cheated. No. Through leg kick. And it wasn't uh it wasn't a decision that was like controversial. Controversial whatsoever. No. The stoppage had to happen. He couldn't he, he couldn't defend himself. Yeah. And and I, I don't think he, he was terribly hurt at the moment no. in terms of the strikes, but he was definitely hurt in terms of being able to continue to fight. Literally. And so they had to stop the fight. There was no real other choice. And that's not even what he's disputing, which makes it even stranger. And I think the other thing is like it it gives him a much shorter leash in the future. Mm-hmm. If he is to lose something legitimately controversial, now he he's not really able to have a, a dialogue about that, about whether or not that that loss is legitimate because he's continuing to to say this. He's going to be known as like that guy, like oh okay, yeah. Every reason, every time they lose, oh, there's some excuse. Which is why this fight is huge for him. I think mm-hmm. he needs to come out and put together a really good performance because he's a guy that going into that Cheeto Vera fight, which was a, a it really. It, 
his only stiff test so far, he did not even kind of pass in any way, shape, or form. Did not look good in that fight at any point. Um, So to me, this one, again, is a... Say what you will about Thomas Almeida's last three fights. He's fought really good dudes, and he's only lost to really good dudes. Mm -hmm. So this is, in my opinion, a stiff test despite what the odds say. Yeah, and and that's where I think there's good betting value because of that. Yeah. I don't know, man. You know, I mean, like, obviously, if you still, if you're still trying to build Sean O'Malley as a star, he has to win this. He really does. He has to. And if Thomas Almeida wants to remain in the UFC, he has, he to, has win to win this, this fight. Yeah. Really, really compelling stuff. Um, at the end of the day, like I said before, I, th- I kind of think Sean O'Malley does get it done. I think that he's such a superior athlete and he's uh, so technically superior. He's really diverse in his striking. I think that he finds a way to get it done. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's jump into the co-main Tyron Woodley. Speaking of guys with their backs against the wall, fighting Vincente Luque, who we mentioned earlier, is just an absolute animal. Nearly stopping all of his opponents. He's uh, the only opponent, the only win that he has in the UFC that was a decision was Mike Perry, who's impossible to stop, and who he put his face, his nose on the other side of his face. Oh, then he was disgusting. Horrendous. It was great. Uh, so he's an absolute animal, and he's he's lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, absolute champion possible, uh, and and Leon Edwards, who we just saw is he's still there. He's still there. Those dudes are pretty good. How do you see this thing going down? We talked about it a little bit already. We said you know there's a way that Woodley gets it done. I I don't know, man. What do you think? Dog, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily comes down to anything physical. I, yeah. I, I think it's all mental for Woodley, like, and only he knows that because I, I personally think that he's kind of just at that point in his life where you know he's gotten his aggression out, like you know he he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's like, been champion yeah. for a period. He's defended that belt for Multiple a period. Times. No one can question his legacy. Right. Well, God, I, dude, I just don't. Because you got to remember, he came out and slept Robbie when Robbie was the fucking man. He did. And he beat Till when Till was the man. When they thought Till was going to be a future champion. And, and he beat Wonderboy Wonder when Wonderboy was the man. Damian Mai was choking everybody. He was the man. That's a good point. And, and I, for whatever reason, and it, Tyron makes it difficult on himself a little bit, which I hate to say because it's such a common take. And it's kind of a boring take at this point, which is like, oh, yeah, he's... He's hard to like or whatever. Yeah, we know, dude. It's fine. He's an MMA fighter, dude. I don't need you to be a choir boy. I don't. Like, but the problem is like the things that are not likable about him kind of translate into his performances in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. See, like I think when he's just in like a casual setting and you just hear him like kick back and talk, like I think he's a super likable guy. He can be. Yeah, he's and then he puts out rap songs that are terrible. Yeah, they're dog shit, but... He doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. No. I think that's a fair take. No. You know, and I also think that he kind of let, you know, outside influences really just... But, I mean, like, dude, that's the thing. When you become champion, you have a whole bunch more opportunities to make more money. So, like, yeah. I can't be mad at somebody, you know, trying to provide for their family. But also, you're in probably, in terms of athletic ability, the most elite division. Yeah, you know, like they're killers. They're absolutely. It's killers. one of the two most yeah. most stacked divisions. Fifty-five and seventy. Right? Yeah. it's a Shark Tank dude in the top ten. You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I I genuinely don't know if if he's just doing this just to collect a paycheck. 
is going to be a short night for him. Now, one thing that I think does play into his favor is that Vincente Luque will not play the game. He will not point fight. He will not like. He is going to make you fight him, mm-hmm. and he's a dude that likes to scrap. He loves it. That, in a way, despite this not being a fantastic matchup, sort of forces Woodley to either shit or get off the pot. Literally. Kind of from the very beginning of the fight. I think Luke is probably going to come out hot. I think Luke is going to probably try to stop him in the first round. Luke is a dude, like we said, who who has wins over really good fighters, but he, he needs that marquee that win. Up. And I'm not 100% sure that Woodley is the marquee win, but he is the win that, if he's able to get it done, I think gets him a top five guy. Oh, yeah. And still, Tyron Woodley still has a name at this point. For sure. So, I mean, like, it would obviously be the biggest one of his career. You know, it opens up a whole bunch of fun matchups for him. But, man, Tyron's going to have to come out to fight. Yeah. Because if he sits and circles with the back against the cage like he always does, he's going to get his ass put to sleep. Yeah, he'll get stopped. Because Vincente has fantastic boxing. And kicks, too. And he fucking cracks. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. (sighs) I still like the bet, sort of. I do. For Woodley. Because Vincente likes to fight. But deep down in my heart of hearts, I kind of think... Vincente gets it done, and I think he gets it done in spectacular fashion. What, what's it been, 15 straight rounds? It's been like just under 75 minutes. Tyron Woodley hasn't won a single second of any of that. It's tough. And it's so hard for me to imagine that this is the fight that like motivates him. The odds, honestly, they're probably, probably right. They might, they might be uh, kind of kind to Tyron. Dude, you know when he says like I'm motivated for this one, I'm like, well, fuck, wouldn't wouldn't the Colby fight have motivated you more than one anything? would think? And nothing. No, he just got steamrolled. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is it. I think you know. I think he probably. My gut's telling me that he probably loses this fight, gets cut, and either retires or goes to like Bellator. I think you're probably right, man. I I and and I hope that if he does lose, he he hangs it up. He's old enough. He's established enough. I don't want to see him fight anymore, particularly if he looks bad, particularly if he gets stopped. I'd like to see him hang it up, and hopefully the, you know, the, the history favors him a little better than, than the present because I think the present, the, the take on Tyron Woodley is, is tough, man, and it's, it's maybe not respectful to the legacy that he deserves. Mm-hmm. But again, some of that's on him. Some of that's on the performances. Some of it's on the excuses that he's made outside the cage. And I agree with you. I do think that he's generally a likable dude. But he's making it hard. He does make it hard. What also sucks, though, is like you got to take into effect three of his title defenses, two of them against one. Well, I mean, the first Wonderboy fight was super fun. Yeah. But then it's like the styles where it's like Damian Maya. Well, all Damian Maya's going to do is shoot on you. So it's like, fuck. It's hard to like. A and you can only make that excuse so many times. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not everybody's a bad style matchup for no. you. You just have to fight. Yeah. Granted, most Wonder Boy fights, fights are pretty boring. They can be. They can be super boring. If, if you fight him smart, they're boring. Yeah. If you're dumb and you rush in, you're getting head kicked. You get Jake so, Allen burgered. So... We're going to talk about the main event. Stipe Miocic coming in at even odds versus Francis Ngannou at minus 120. Those odds are kind of whatever um, because, as we both agreed, the the odds will probably shift the other way at the end. Whoever the dog was was inevitably going to end up actually not being the dog. Um, This is about as much of a pick-em fight as you can get. 
because Francis Ngannou has been murdering everyone, and because Stipe Miocic in the first fight, if you happen to miss it, uh, pretty much murdered Francis Ngannou. Yeah, he beat the shit out of him, dude. Was not close. We just rewatched it, um, kind of almost trying to look for ways that Francis can get this done other than the obvious, which is a first-round knockout. Landing them big-ass fucking concrete cinder block-ass hands. I, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, we went back and we watched it. And it just looked like as soon as Francis got to the ground, like in certain positions, like certain wrestling positions, like he just had no fucking idea. And like a lot of those positions you wouldn't necessarily see, you know, training jujitsu. So it, you could see like the sizable difference in experience and just skill at that point. But in a lot of the exchanges too, we would see Francis landed clean. A lot. Like clean and hard. Yeah. And like with shots that normally would have put people down and, but, I mean, we've always, you know, we, well, you and I have always believed Stipe has a hell of a chin on him. He does. What would you say? He only gets stopped by a giant accumulation or a shot he didn't see coming. But the way I'm viewing it is like this. Those three fights with DC, regardless that he won two of them, they were fucking wars. Mm-hmm. Especially that second one where he mm-hmm. was getting hit with everything. And I went back and I watched him fight Overeem, and I didn't realize how many times Overeem like hurt him. Overeem hurt him twice, yeah. dropped him once, but he was landing clean. Like Stipe's been in a lot of wars, and I think he's what thirty-seven, thirty-eight. And I think at some point that has to catch up to you. Yeah. And seeing that Francis can actually actually landed, and I think Francis has gotten better in how he sets things up. You know, not including the Rosenstrike fight because. That I, was, I don't uh, know. That shit was wild. <laughs> that that shit was wild. I assume that, that replay, the slow motion replay with uh, the Kanye song over it, doesn't get old to watch though. To be I just fair. see the one with the Fleetwood Mac dog. That's funny hilarious. too. Hilarious. That's funny too. But I imagine he kind of just rushed him because he was like, he's not going to take me down. Fuck it. Yeah. I don't know, man. And then we watched the Curtis Blades fight, and where you can see that he has a very good understanding of the certain positions he needs to be in to stop the takedown. Yep. It sucks because I think Stipe is the best heavyweight of all time. And I think either way, that's the take. Yeah. Yeah. It it sucks because, like, in MMA, really, power is the true equalizer. Skill for skill, Stipe is light years ahead of him. Yeah. Like, Stipe is fantastic. But I just see Francis connecting once, and that's it. Yeah, man. It's it's hard to say. This This is a tough fight to call for a number of reasons. One of them being pretty much every heavyweight fight is kind of hard to call. That shit. Um, with that said, can Francis not only stop the takedown, but can Francis actually deal with Stipe's power? Because we saw Francis get absolutely hammered on the feet in oh. the first round several times, and you could tell he was kind of hurt. And I think the reason why the takedown started to come so easy, because if you, if you remember... Francis was able to actually, I think he stuffed the first one or the first yeah. two, mm-hmm. and then Stipe started to land, and all of a sudden, the door opens for these takedowns. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what is Francis going to do when he gets hit? Yeah. I know he's going to get taken down in this fight. There's no question. Unless he unless he lands a bomb in the first minute, which is possible. Very possible. Unless that happens, it, he's going to get it, taken down in this fight, for sure. Mm-hmm. So with that sort of being given... I'm actually more interested to see how the exchanges go on the feet. And if I, if Stipe is able to land as much on the feet, not just on the ground, but on the feet, I think that's his path to victory. I think he has to earn Nganu's respect early. And you can see there's a moment, 
about halfway through the first round where he hits him with a counter right. And you can see Francis, his whole demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the fight, it was just sort of like Francis was hoping to get lucky to land something, but there was no confidence in any of his no. strikes. And he wasn't putting combinations together nope. at all. He was throwing right hands and left hooks, and that was kind of it. And and again, I, and I know part of that is obviously because he kept getting taken down, but it wasn't just that. He was getting front kicked, he was getting leg kicked, and he was getting absolutely hammered anytime he missed. Stipe was making him pay over and mm-hmm. over and over on the feet. And then when he got taken down, was getting absolutely sledgehammered. Dude, the fight actually probably should have it, been it probably should have been stopped in both the third and the fourth round. I mean, that is a super good point. I'm, I'll be super interested to see how Francis looks after getting up that first yeah. time from being taken down. Whether he can get up right away or whether it's the end of the round. Yeah. Seeing how he responds to that. You know, seeing how he paces himself. You know, because the first fight, he was chasing him around a lot, winding up with these big shots where yeah. Stipe would be able to slip, get out. Um there's just so many different adjustments that I think Francis has made, but we can't necessarily tell because his last four fights have lasted like what two minutes, and like forty four seconds. Yeah, nobody can nobody can last with him. And, and, and don't get me wrong, this guy's gonna be champion. Oh, 100 percent. I don't think there's any question about whether or not Francis Ngannou will be champion. I just don't. I don't think he's got what he needs to to win this fight. I, I, the, the other position that I'm really interested to see if Stipe is able to get back to a lot is that side saddle against the cage. Because when he got Francis into that position and then sort of had his, his legs kind of locked, kind of the way that yeah. Khabib does when he gets into that mm-hmm. similar position where he kind of slides the knee between your legs and then almost like figure fours his own leg and yeah. you can't really get that hip out. There's, there's just not any way for him to get out of that sh- other than getting back to his back, which he seemed to be unwilling to do. He was, he was very willing to sit in this position and sit like this and basically just let Stipe hammer on his face and just take rounds. Right. Um, it, I think if Stipe is able to get back to that position again, which probably seems likely because most of the takedowns happened against the cage, yeah. and that was Francis's answer for how he was going to get back up, is he's like, I'm going to get on my knees. And then Stipe immediately would grab that position, and he was just absolutely stuck. Stipe grinded the fuck out of him, dude. It was kind of beautiful to watch. Honestly. It really was, man. And and <laughs> we were laughing because Herb kept telling him to get busy or whatever. And and that's it's frustrating to watch because the reason why they're not busy is because Francis doesn't want to get hit. Exactly. He wasn't willing to put himself in danger by either rolling to his back or trying to stand up and getting kneed in his face, which would have 100% happened. 100%. And Stipe is happy to sit there and, and land 50% power shots over and over and over and over and Why over and, and just should? grind the rounds out. It was a brilliant tactical... You, you can't fight a better fight against Francis Ngannou than what Stipe Miocic did that night. But see, that's that right there is why I have a hard time picking Stipe. Can he do it again? Yeah. He was perfect for 25 minutes, and yeah. he still got clipped with heavy shots. You remember that fucking right hand he ate? The third round was probably the one that 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 hit him the hardest. 100%. Like, and a lot of it comes down to like how I kind of viewed like the Wilder Fury, where it's like, God, Fury is so much more skilled, but Wilder's power. Yeah. Dude, he shut your shit out. What happened in the second fight? Yeah, I get that, but <laughs> my issue is this, though. You got four ounce gloves. Fair. I, dude, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see Stipe winning this. And it's weird because, like, I want Stipe to win this. Yeah. But I just, like, see this one. Stipe it, deserves to win. He it. does deserve to win this. He's, he's everything you should want in a UFC champion. Yes. He he's a great guy. 
but Francis is also a Francis great, is a great dude, great, and like we Francis both, Francis is a great story, and yeah, and like we both agreed, I do think Francis, he's not, I, I, I don't think he gets it done Saturday. He definitely could. I'm, I'm definitely not counting him out, mm-hmm. but I think he, if he is to lose, he will have to fight one more fight because I think, who the hell would he fight though? <laughs> that's a good point. He's literally, like you know what I would love to see. This is my ideal scenario. Stipe wins. Okay. Francis fights John. Who the fuck does Stipe fight? Nobody. He waits. He waits. If John beats Francis, or excuse me, yeah, if John beats Francis, then John gets the shot. I know they're going to give John the shot. This is a hypothetical scenario that is probably almost definitely not going to happen. But I want to see John Jones and Francis Ngannou super bad. Dude, see, that's like... Because I want to see John Jones' head fly into the crowd. I do too. But I think you'll see Stipe send his head flying into the room. It's possible. The crowd. It's possible. I don't know, dude. Ah, I want to see both fights. I do too. I don't think we're going to. But if I have to pick one or the other, well, I think he probably would. Well, if yeah, John if yeah, John beats wins. Francis for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but fuck. But see, I see if Stipe loses, he probably retires. Depends. Stipe could retire Depends, either way. Yeah. Depends how bad the fucking knockout is. If he gets knocked out, he could. Yeah, and he could even retire if he wins. I can see it. John is obviously a money fight, but it's not like a crazy money fight. And Stipe is pretty rich. Yeah. I don't think he cares that much. He's making a million dollars a fight at this point. He's a firefighter. Yeah. He does his fucking normal, like, yeah, I don't know, man. Plus, he has, like, dude, that's a lot of fucking fights, man. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking fights, a lot of wars. And what else does he have? Like, 20 and 3. Yeah. But he also, I believe, boxed as well before that, yeah, right? He was like Golden Gloves. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Well, there you have it. Uh, UFC 260 is a it's a really really solid card, particularly the last three fights. I'm hyped. I'm probably not going to be able to watch it live, which is crazy. That's crazy. And sad, um, but it's all good. Ryan will let me know what's going on, and eventually I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, either you know, Stipe grinds out a decision, or his head is knocked clear into like the tenth row, or Stipe KOs him and. That shit would be wild. That would be absolutely bananas. Do you see how big Francis's fucking head is? How thick that neck is? That is a block, dude. dude. I don't think saying. anybody's like KOing Francis. I don't even know if that's physically possible. Yeah, I mean, maybe stop him with like an accumulation of strikes. Yeah. Well, like we said, the first fight could have probably been a TKO. Yeah. Well, could Derek Lewis stop him? Can we run that back? Derek Lewis might be able to stop him. Can we run that back? Derek Lewis is also right there. Let's run that He's back. He's knocking. Let's run that shit back. All right, Derek. We're team Derek Lewis. Until next time, my man. The Unshow is back. We're hyped. We're going to stay consistent on this. Uh, that's all I have to say. Love you. Bye.